You ready? Yeah. You ready? All right, hold on. Here we go. What's going on, everyone? This is the My Aggie Nation podcast. I'm Travis Brown at the Eagle alongside Eagle Sports Editor Robert Cessna here to break down a little Texas A&M South Carolina. It's the battle for the Bonham Trophy. It's the hated rival Gamecocks coming down to Kyle Field for maybe the second to last time ever, well, you know, at least in a year-to-year thing. Uh, Cease, let's get right into it. This seems like it's a a, a prime game for the taking for A&M with, with the matchups. What what are you looking at in this game right off the bat as far as the matchups from a matchup standpoint? I, I just like the fact that you touched on it. The only thing that South Carolina does well is throw the football. And one thing that A&M does very well is put pressure on the quarterback. Now, they don't get enough turnovers, but uh, you know South Carolina, 30 sacks they've allowed. That, that's a lot of sacks. And you start getting hit with A&M's defensive linemen. Uh, I think Spencer Rattler will have a good day throwing the ball, but I think he'll also make some mistakes. And I think everything, and to me, when, bottom line is I like a lot of A&M matchups in this game. Yeah, and the only one that might not be favorable is the defensive secondary against Spencer Rattler if for some reason the defensive line can't get pressure on him or they, they can scheme for that a little bit. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. They, they did a decent job against Tennessee, albeit that Joe Milton did not have a good game uh, against the Aggies throwing the ball that day. I'll be interested to see was that an anomaly? Was that just because of Joe Milton, or have they actually made some strides uh, in, in kind of shoring up some of those defensive secondary issues that they have? Um, it's a curious place South Carolina's in. It's Shane Beamer's third season, a uh, little bit of a down year. Um, I'm curious to see kind of what some of the uh, chatter is online about where South Carolina is compared to kind of where A&M is right now. There, there are two programs coming into this game uh, needing a win. Yeah, well, Beamer in his third year, he's got a lot of stability. I have been reading a lot as, as get into this week. I mean, obviously, he's lined up good recruits for next year, even though maybe everybody worries we're not doing well. But he has that program right where he needs to have it. Uh, they're not going to probably go to a bowl game this year. People uh, realize that. They want uh, the chatter I read. They want to get him get rid of some of his assistants, which mm-hmm. he probably will, which we see coaches do. But you are right. Both teams need a win for confidence, particularly A&M, because Jimbo's in his sixth year versus third year. Jimbo's coming off back-to-back losses. A&M's had a week to stew over the whole program. They need a good outing, and you hope, if you're an Aggie, they have a solid effort. But they just need to win this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they just need a win right now. The last thing they need is, is, is to stink it up at home again and lose. And they didn't stink it up against Alabama, but it was there for the taking, and they didn't get it. If they would lose a game that they, quote, should win, I think things things would get a little sticky. A lot of questions of Jimbo Fisher this week about the offensive line and, um, and questions about just general, are all of the starters' positions locked in from where they were at Tennessee moving forward? Do you expect to see any changes on the offensive line, or do you think that what, what you see is what you got? Uh, I'm a little bit of a betting man. I just thought Bryce Foster had such a bad game. And here's twofold about that, Travis, which I'm glad you touched on it. It's like, it's like if you're Jimbo Fisher and the, 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 the Zazio or offensive line. Adazio. Adazio, mm-hmm. yeah. 
Just, or Dizazio. <laughs> easier name for Cease. We know, really, A&M should have a good offensive game. South Carolina is really bad in a lot of things on defense. So if you're A&M, do you roll the dice, like you said, and keep it standards quo because you're going to have a good – or do you look ahead to Ole Miss, which has a lot better defense? Who's going to get – does Mark Naboo, do you give him a chance? I think I would change somebody in the lineup just to get their attention because I think whoever plays offensive line's got a good game now because of because of the defense. But get them confidence and maybe bring Foster off the bench or whatever. And it's like you said, I'm gonna be interested to see that as well. Maybe those are the best five guys, and so they'll want to keep Foster and get him recharged. But man. I don't know. Yeah, if they make a change, I'm actually more interested in uh, the left guard position where Mark Naboo has been playing. Play. If they move over, is it a straight swap where they just put Foster over at left guard? You know, he, he both true, Naboo true. and Foster were guards coming in point, yeah. to um, the the college career, and they they've been trained at center. So would they do that, or would like a Cam Dewberry step in and Foster just go straight to the bench? You're, you're right. I think especially if they can get on the board early. I think this is kind of one of those games that they might be able to try some things to try to fit some pieces in some different holes moving into Ole Miss and then LSU later in the season to, to, to try to shore some things up. I'll just be interested in how early in the game does it happen? Is it that they're going to start with a different starting lineup or are they going to get some points on the board, get a lead and then try to uh, try to mix some things up? I'm with you hundred percent because it's one of those deals. A&M needs to win this game. Now I think they need to and should win handily, but you never know because mm-hmm. we've seen A&M just come out listless in second halves or, you know, what if they come out in the first half, 11 o'clock game, I'm always worried about 11 o'clock game. And when you're out, how bad South Carolina is because we hear about, oh, they're injured. They're starting a lot of true freshmen. They're doing this. They might not have receivers. Who knows? But, you know, we've seen people come in here before and play their best game of the year. Uh, it wouldn't be the first time. So A&M can't take anything for granted. When you're 4-3 and three, coming off back-to-back losses, you need to win. Uh, we're we're going to get a little ahead of ourselves here. <laughs> You know, next year they do travel to South Carolina, but after that, we don't know yeah. what the schedule is going to be like. Do you think that this has been? I mean, I think this is an easy question. Do you think this has been a good matchup for AM? Is it one that people kind of have embraced? This is their cross conference, uh, cross division rival. What has South Carolina done for AM, do you feel like? And is it one that AM fans should or would miss or, or, or wouldn't? I think they'll miss them because there were a lot of wins. Right. They, you know, the bottom line is when you win an SEC game, what does everybody talk? Oh, it's an SEC victory. Like South Carolina only has one victory uh, in Lake Bay, but they beat Mississippi State. So, and Mississippi State beat all, but Arkansas. When you put SEC win out there, and let's be honest, A&M kind of likes that red because they've done well in South Carolina and Arkansas. You think about how many wins they've had in the SEC against Arkansas and South Carolina since they joined the league. Luckily, those two programs are there for them, or else they might not even have a winning record Mm -hmm. in SEC play. So I don't think you can get jacked up for every opponent. So I think, you know, South Carolina, eh, you get to go on a road trip. Great place to watch a game, believe it or not, Mm -hmm. the the atmosphere, the Mm -hmm. stadium. And A&M was able to go in there and win a lot of games. Think about the Kenny Hill game. Uh, on SEC Network. Remember, SEC Network wasn't always around for you people that are, you know, 
only 22 and 25. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a network at once. So that was a big statement. And they may beat Steve Spurrier badly coming off a good year. So I think South Carolina, they make you make fun of the Bonham Trophy and all that, but at least it brings some attraction to the mm-hmm. game. And of course, like you're right, Oklahoma's coming in, Texas. Uh, South Carolina is probably going to fade to the background. They're just going to be uh, that t- another team from the east, so to speak. For for our the things that we care the most about, there was always some good good food around. So we always ate well when we w- traveled to South Carolina. I feel like there was wasn't a whole lot of McDonald's runs. I liked South Carolina, believe it or not, because once I first time I went there. I thought from the outside it's a dump. You know, mm-hmm. it was kind of like bad. And actually, it's in a weird neighborhood, kind of industrial it's, it's neighborhood. An industrial area, but I got to give Eric Hyman. You know, he made all those things around the stadium. So once you get to the stadium, great fans, great atmosphere, and like Travis said, easy to get in and out. It's South Carolina. They they love their football, and. Uh, so uh, from that standpoint, I, you're right. I like going to South Carolina. I didn't mind that at all. The, the things that I always make, I, I am an unbiased journalist when it comes to the football and the football teams, don't care who wins, lose, whatever. I am not unbiased when it comes to my making fun of the South Carolina State Fair because it's just out there and it's tiny and a big Texas State Fair homer. Uh, you know, it's, it's always fun to kind of look funny to look down and say, well, you know, they have one funnel cake stand there. But you know what I think about? You're right, because... I grew up in the hills of Western Pennsylvania, so I was out there with farmers. We loved going to the county fair when mm-hmm. I first saw it. And I heard it was a state fair because I've been up to the Texas state. Mm-hmm. I've, I've covered OU Texas a couple times. And I go, this, this is their state fair in South Carolina. I felt like I was back in Pennsylvania out in the country going to one of the fairs. That is kind of cool, though, because it is that kind of fairground area that it's around. So it is whoever's playing South Carolina kind of in the month of October. It, it kind of has shades yeah, of that Texas yeah. OU with it being by the fair, yeah, the, yeah. the football game being a big center attraction. So uh, real quick, let's shift before we get out of here. Um, on the Let's kind of give some midseason superlatives. On, on the offensive side of the ball, who's maybe somebody that, who's kind of the MVP and somebody who's kind of been a, a dark horse that surprised you? Well, man, you you hit me out of the, out of the clear clear blue. Well, I I got to go with uh, the wide receiver, you know, Anaya Smith. Anaya Smith, mm-hmm. consider what he has done, how he's done it. Uh, I also like uh, the other other you know Evan Stewart. Evan Stewart, yep. man, you took me off guard. I'm just that's fine. I'll uh, I'll just I'm, be your interpreter. <laughs> interpreter, uh, surprise. Well, obviously, I didn't see Mac Johnson starting with mm-hmm. with, with with and you know. I think Max Johnson doesn't get enough credit because, unfortunately, he's elevated and A&M's gone down. But they haven't lost because of him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm not giving him a, a star or whatever, but somebody who deserves better, I feel, is probably Max Johnson because that poor offensive – the offensive line has made his life very difficult. For, we talked about this on our Monday thing with Alex Miller. Uh, my kind of surprise guy was Le'Veon Moss. Well, the running game hasn't really – gotten going we didn't know who was going to kind of separate themselves in that running back group and it seems like Le'Veon Moss is become the starter per se as they continue that rotation defensive side of the ball kind of same question well first I guess I'll go with both of them because uh I'll go with uh, you know surprise York because I never forget I covered the Temple Bryan game last year and everybody says oh hey this guy's going there you know so I watch him I go okay yeah I mm-hmm. mean I go, and I went to, he couldn't get, bet, you know, what was his offers? And they go, oh, he didn't get a lot of offers. I'm talking about the high school uh, coverage people, and I'm thinking, like, why is A&M taking this guy then? I mean, you know, because I think he was only a four-star. I don't think he was. He was one of the lower rated. Yeah. And then yeah. the way he's come in and knocked it out, 
And then, you know, I'm a kind of Missouri guy. I like going to Missouri, by the way. Mm-hmm. But, and I always kept hearing about how good Cooper was. And I didn't really see it the first year. I see it this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, on, That's my two. Yeah, that was those were actually oh, my sorry. two. No, well, I, I already we already took care of this on Monday. Those oh. were my two as well. So I feel justified now that that you agreed with and, me. And I could answer those without you telling me. <laughs> there you go. Um, and then just. Oh, you, we didn't talk, I'm sorry. Go I'm ahead. Sorry. We, we, we need to talk about you talk about changes. I'm, I can't. I, I like to know what's wrong with uh, the punter Nick Constantine because everybody talked about that. In A and M, I've covered A and M football for a long time, not full time, but all part time. Where they've always had great kickers, mm-hmm. always great punters, and right now Constantine ain't getting it done. No, no, he he, uh, you know, a- averaged about thirty four yards a punt in that Tennessee game, and his uh, net average for each year has gone down. Each year he's he's been a starter. It is kind of interesting. Um, you don't usually see a punter get the yips or, or, you know, kind of have that gradual, uh, de- uh de-escalation of, of yards per yeah. punt. Um, but you're right. It, the special teams game and, and kind of talking about this game coming up, special teams was a huge part of that game in South Carolina with the early kick return and, and they've already had a kick return for a touchdown and a punt return for a touchdown in that, uh, Tennessee game. So that punt and kick coverage is going to be key, especially if Leggett can go, cause he's probably the prime, special teams returner in the SEC um, this year. And and so, and, and Randy Bond is is only, I believe, about 70% mm-hmm. um, from from field goals. We talk, got to talk to him a couple weeks ago. He's an interesting story. He didn't kick in high school. He uh, he played soccer. He kicked a little middle school, kicked and uh, decided his senior year, I'll kick again, and then came as an A&M student and was in the same walk-on tryout as Sam Matthews, the, the 12th man. Just decided oh, wow. when he showed up at camp, he's like, you know, kicking was fun. Maybe I can do that and made the team and now all of a sudden a couple years later he's he's the starter when you know you've looked at some of these kickers they've had that they've had scholarship guys who have who have been kickers so um he even beat out um um who was it last year now it says uh, uh, Small. No, Caden Davis. Caden Davis. Caden Davis. Davis. He beat Caden Davis last week, uh, last year at uh, Kicking. So I had a had a cease moment there. I forgot yeah, I, the I say, the name. So <laughs> you're, you're, you're too long. <laughs> so yeah, it's been an interesting half half of the season. Uh, so they sit now um, with with the games they have left. What, what do you? How do you? predict this season kind of wrapping out from from the midway point do you have a a win total or i i started out with i said all along nine and four and now it's dipped to eight and five because I, right now i just don't see this team going on the road at old miss or lsu you're gonna have to prove to me that you can go win a big game on the road and it hasn't happened they need to take care of south carolina first they need mm-hmm. to take care of home but uh a&m just hasn't got over that hump they had a couple chances this year i'm not gonna say they can't but getting that Missouri out of me, until they do it on the road, uh, they haven't done it on the road. So right now, is they're, they're swimming upstream. They're like a salmon going, going home. They got, they, to me, it's eight and five mm-hmm. right now. And, what and about you? Yeah, I, I, well, I think I mean, I've got to do my math. The record now is uh, four, and three. four and three. So I think I, I think I came out with seven and five because they. Uh, well, I, I had the bowl game. Oh, you had a bowl game. So okay, I'm, so we're the same. I'm, we're the we're, same. We're same. Yeah, we're the same. I'm I just confuse you. I don't. <laughs> I don't think they win at Ole Miss, and I don't think they win at LSU. I think they have a better chance of winning at LSU than Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss is a little bit more of a. 
LSU has the LSU has the better offense, but their defense is pretty terrible. Ole Miss is above average offense, above average defense, and so I think that that's going to be a tough. And then you have the whole Lane Kiffin factor. You don't know how much he's going to be in people's heads, and so that's always. I don't think he's in his own head sometimes. Yeah, that's true. So, um, and then we'll end with this. Do you see moving into next season as we sit here in this midway point? coaching staff most starting like everything kind of staying intact heading into next year i think eight and five or seven and five moving forward probably does keep jimbo fisher here for a lot of reasons but i think he's gonna make changes on mm-hmm. the staff because I, I think it's a little bit worse seeing arkansas people people want to see more for what they're getting paid paid mm-hmm. for and, and they expected to see championships and seven eight wins ain't gonna get it done and what is the problem and he brought in uh, petrino and that worked well until the last couple of weeks. So I'll be interested to see the offense moving forward. Uh, I think they'll do well tomorrow. But to answer your question, I don't think everything can stay intact because they really, if they do go eight and five over last year, that's not much of an improvement. Well, before we you know get all the way to the end of the season, the bowl game, there's actually a game to be played this Saturday against South Carolina. And we have uh, Emily Adams of the Greenville News on to uh, break down what's going on with the Gamecocks coming into this uh, game. So on the other side of the break, it's Emily Adams of the Greenville News. What's going on, everyone? I'm Travis Brown with the Eagle, alongside Eagle sports editor Robert Cessna. And we also have our special guest, uh, Emily Adams of the uh, Greenville News, covers South Carolina. Emily, how's it going? Uh, how's all the preparations gearing up for another game weekend? Yeah, going good. Can't complain too much here. Uh, it's, a, it's a busy few weeks in Columbia for us. We're at Mizzou last weekend. Uh, women's basketball gets kicked off in Paris next week, so... It's a it's a busy month here, but uh, yeah, excited for my uh, my first trip down to College Station. I've uh, obviously heard a lot about it, so yeah. looking oh. forward to that. Well, well, first off, you buried the lead there. Are you getting to go to Paris with the women's basketball team? I I sure am. Yeah, I'm in I'm in time zones like crazy over the next few weeks. So that's awesome. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, I can't very cool. Very cool. Well, like you got to check out our coverage of that before then, though, let's get into a little bit of the uh, the, the football game this weekend. What are some of the biggest storylines uh, the, the, uh, for the Gamecocks coming into the weekend uh, this weekend in Kyle Field? Yeah, I mean, I think number one for them um, is just the injury issues that they're dealing with. I mean, uh, Shane Beamer said in his press conference Tuesday, uh, he has never seen a single position group be as affected by injuries as their offensive line room has this year. Um, I think we're up to 11 guys now have had an injury designation at some point during the season. Three of those are season ending injuries. Uh, one of them is not definitely season ending, but we're pretty sure is going to be. Um, so, I mean, they've just been absolutely rocked on that front. They also might be down all three starting wide receivers. Two of them are questionable. Um, and, and one is definitely out. Um, you know, they've had injuries in just about every, every key position this year. Um, so I think that's their big question is whether they're going to be able to, to field a full team of, of starters. Um, and I think the other thing is, you know, they just, their, their bowl eligibility hopes are getting further and further away the more games that they lose here. Um, the, you know, this back half of the schedule is not easy. They have, you know, a couple of layups at the beginning of November and then end on Kentucky and Clemson. So, you know, if they can't 
pick up a win here. They those last two games, suddenly you have to sweep November or, you know, you're not you're going to be done. Yeah, you mentioned the offensive line. What what does that offensive line look like now uh, coming into the the weekend against an A&M defensive front that has been pretty good at getting to the quarterback? Yeah, what what a good question. <laughs> uh, I think I think they wish they knew. I think we wish we knew. Um, at, right now, there's three guys uh, who started against Missouri who or are three guys who should start that are questionable. Vershawn Lee, who's their right tackle. Trovon Baugh, who's a true freshman at right guard. Um, and Tree Babalade, also a true freshman at left tackle. Um, so the only healthy guys are left guard and center. Um, and neither of those guys were starting at those positions at the start of the year. They actually completely retooled the offensive lineup uh, during the bye week, moved uh, Lee from center where he started the year out to tackle, uh, moved uh, Nick Gargiulio to center, um, and then added Trey Jones in at right guard. But I mean, if all three of those guys are out or even you know one or two of them, um, they, they really don't have many backups left that are healthy. You know, Ja'Kai Moore has been banged up. He's probably their most versatile backup left. So I would expect to see him slot in, but you know, his health is a little bit of a question mark. Uh, Sydney Fugar and Tyshawn Wanamaker have both played a little bit of tackle, but neither have played particularly well. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a huge question mark for, I think even internally with the program of who they're going to be able to put out there on Saturday. What's uh, what's Spencer Rattler's confidence level when you're talking about receivers being out you know, he was such a coup when South Carolina got him. Uh, he's got great numbers, did well last year. What's his pulse? Yeah, I mean, he's been incredible this year, um, especially considering the amount of pressure that he's under pretty much constantly. Um, you know, you've seen those accuracy numbers and things that were super, super high, like in the high 70s and 80s early in the season, drop off a little bit as the receivers have gotten hurt. Um, and I think that's, you know, mostly just a product of, him not being as comfortable with some of these younger guys, but they have other talent in the wide receiver room. You know, Nick Harbor was a five-star, obviously was a huge uh, get for Shane Beamer in the portal. Um, And he and Spencer have had a a pretty decent uh, rapport so far. Same thing with Omega Blake, who's a sophomore. Um, But, you know, he's, he's been remarkably poised. I think uh, in spite of, you know, he's taken 30 sacks in in seven Mm -hmm. games, um, took six last week at Missouri, took six at Tennessee, took nine against North Carolina. Um, and I mean, he just keeps coming out and, and performing. And it's it's been really impressive with him. I think he is the only reason that they have the two wins that they have. And, and he's the only reason that some of these games haven't been much bigger blowouts than they were. What about on the other side? And I'm looking in the outside in on South Carolina. It's kind of surprised that they're poor defensive numbers. Uh, what, what are the problems on defense? Yeah, it's been a really weird year <laughs> defensively for them. Um, and, and I think it starts on the front, specifically at the edge position. Um, they lost uh, Jordan Birch, who was a five-star um, to the transfer portal. He's uh, now at Oregon um, and having a much better year than he ever had at South Carolina. But, um, you know, they just really don't have guys who are able to get pressure on the quarterback. So it, it's starting there. Um, and then that's putting the secondary in a really tough spot. You know, they've got two really strong safeties um, in Nikki Mawari and DQ Smith, both of whom started last year as true freshmen. Um, but they've been having to, you know, line up in the slot a lot. They've been, you know, out in coverage um, and neither of them are, are particularly strong there. So they've been getting beat by elite wide receivers a lot. You know, Luther Burden 
had 90 some yards on him last week. Chulu Griffin at, at Mississippi State had a, I believe, a program record for single game receiving yards with 250 some. Um, so it, they just are really having a hard time at every level. Um, and, you know, occasionally they're able to make adjustments sort of after halftime and, and figure things out. But they're not, you know, they're not able to keep them in games if the offense isn't working. Um, and even if the offense is working a lot of times, you know, that the defense has has given up so much that the offense isn't able to compensate. What's uh, Xavier Leggett's status? I know he's been a little bit banged up this season. Is is he uh, going to be good to go this this weekend? Yeah, we uh, will hopefully get an answer on that tonight <laughs> when uh, Shea Beaver has his call-in show. He was questionable as of Tuesday. Um, he's got a, an upper body injury. It looked like um, from our vantage point at Mizzou, like a left hand or wrist of some sort. Um, and it was on a on a kick return coverage. So, you know, they've been using him a lot on special teams, which is a questionable decision, I think. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I think he will try to go if there's any chance of him going. He's, you know, really physical, really, you know, tough, hardworking type of, you know, just a football player type of guy. Um, so I, I think he will be out there if he's, there's any way he can be. But it also wouldn't shock me if they hold him out to try to protect him for, you know, that that Kentucky and Clemson game down the line. Yeah. Uh, he, he special teams was such a huge factor in the the game last year that South Carolina won. Um, if, if they're using him so much on special teams, what is that special teams units looked like uh, so far this season? Yeah, it's, that's been sort of the other big surprise of the season. The special teams has not been particularly special compared <laughs> to what it was last year. You know, they, they haven't been able to to run those trick plays as successfully as they were last year. You know, you're not seeing huge returns. And a lot of that is uh, they graduated a lot of top guys who were playing in protection on on returns on, you know, field goals and punts and things like that. Um, and they're replacing them with with a lot of true freshmen and, you know, red shirt guys from last year. And so the execution just hasn't been there the way that you expect. Kai Kroger was having some weird issues with his drop. Um, so his punting was a little bit off for a while and he was such a, you know, anchor for them last year, came into the season as a preseason all American. Um, but yeah, I mean, Mitch Dieter has really been sort of their, their saving grace on the special teams. Uh, he's their place kicker, uh, went four or five on field goals, scored all of their points against Mizzou last week. Um, and he's been really, really consistent hitting touchbacks on kickoffs, which, you know, with with the returner A and M has in the back pocket is going to be, I think, a big a big deal this weekend. What about Shane Beamer? Such he brought such a high energy to that program. Uh, two great years. Uh, what's his pulse? I, I know that he's not on a hot seat or anything like that, but he just seems such a high energy guy. This has to be re- really eating him up, having all these injuries and, and no production. Yeah, I think the really challenging thing them right now is that they did overachieve so much in his first two years you know that that year coming off of Will Muschamp's you know firing got fired with a few games left in the year they ended up going two and eight Uh, nobody thought they were making a bowl game in year one they do they win the bowl game um, and then to win eight games last year and specifically to win eight games the way that they did it, it it set the expectation, I think, frankly, too high for this year. This was always going to be sort of a come down year for them. They're transitioning between a lot of, you know, really experienced veterans into, you know, Shane's big recruiting classes, which is what he's known for. Um, But those guys are talented. They just aren't 
necessarily ready to play at the college level right now. And I think you're seeing that translate, especially, you know, with those two true freshmen, they're having to start on the offensive line. Um, so I think it's, it's just been disappointing for them and for Shane, especially because I think they, they thought they were going to be much better this year. They did not see the season going like this, uh, preseason. And now they're sort of having to grapple with the fact that a lot of those goals that they had are not necessarily attainable anymore. And, and trying to recalibrate that at this point in the year with the injuries, which really is out of your control for the most part, I think has been has been a real challenge. I think the spirits are still good, but they're definitely not where they were in, in August. So uh, heading into the game this week, what uh, what are some of your keys to the game? What does South Carolina need to do to be successful? Or is there any kind of prime matchups you're looking at for uh, Texas A&M and South Carolina? Yeah, I think, you know, the big key, both for the offense and the defense, is going to be quarterback pressure. You know, I, I think with Spencer, he, he struggles, the more pressure he's under, obviously, um, has been really good with pressure regardless, but he, he starts to get risky with taking sacks and things like that. The more the pressure is coming, um, you know, they've been in a lot of third and long situations where he, you can tell he's just trying to make a play. He's trying to pick up the first down. He's trying to keep it moving forward and ends up taking, you know, a sack for minus six, minus seven and putting them in a fourth and long. That's not doable. Um, so, you know, I think if they can slow down, uh, Cooper, who has, has just been tearing up the opposing fronts, um, I think they just have to give him time to get the ball out and to, to get the run game going, especially, which was, was something that struggled in the first half against Mizzou. Um, and then on the defensive side, you know, it, it, it seems like from what I've seen, you know, Max Johnson is, is a bit more of a, a true pocket passer, not a huge, not a huge runner or scrambler threat on the ground. Um, and, and you know, Will Rogers uh, of Mississippi State is, is kind of similar in that way. Um, and they got three sacks on him, but he also passed for 460 some yards. <laughs> so I think that's going to be their big thing is sort of getting pressure early and often. Um, that helps the secondary, obviously, as well. Um, and I don't know. I don't know if that's something that they're capable of, but I think that's the only way that they sort of find a way out of this game. <laughs> Exactly. Well, before we let you go, uh, be sure if you could uh, tell the people here where to find your your work and uh, where to find you on social media. Yeah, my uh, writing is all at uh, greenvilleonline.com. Um, and then I also post most of my most of my work on Twitter as well at EA Adams six. Um, that'll be football most of the time, but you know, basketball season's kicking off too with the crossover. So there's been a lot of that on the feed as well. Oh, Hey. And I mean, if you want to follow all of her adventures in Paris, uh, you know, yeah, that's I, the, the Emily in Paris joke has been made <laughs> several times. Uh, if, so. she, if she wants to come down early, she can take a day and go to Paris, Texas. So that way she that's can not, be in both Paris. <laughs> that's not something that you want to do. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, thanks so much for all y'all for watching us. If you're watching it on theeagle.com or uh, if you're listening to it on the Maggie Nation podcast, thank you so much. Uh, we'll be back next week with more Texas A&M athletic news. It seems like every day, everything just has a way, a way to must have seems. But if we don't watch what we're doing, our hearts will get ruined by silly things. Good love ain't easy, girl, we know that's true If we want to keep it, we gotta watch everything that we do, yeah, yeah
make sure you're sticking with me But I wanna make sure that we'll be All that we can be All that we can be 